Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Southwest has created a new fare category, and we share a list of the 10 airports with the most delays in the country. Next in the news. The number of angry travelers in the sky is well documented. What if there is a disturbance on your flight? Is there a gentle way to help you diffuse difficult situation? We have some expert recommendations as we make you a smarter traveler at 320. Chris Elliott is one of the most respected travel voices in the country. Currently, he's on an extended journey in Africa and the Middle East. At 335, Chris joins us to comment on a variety of current travel issues. Finally, we wrap up at 355 with a story about the Cruise Passengers Bill of Rights. Did you know such a thing existed? It's a beautiful Sunday in Sacramento. Thanks for making us part of it. We are the Travel Guys. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again I've got two tickets to paradise Up to Alaska I go north to Russia zone Friends, time to make you a smarter traveler as we do each and every Sunday, 3 to 4, here on the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Your hosts are, in no particular order, Mark Hoffman, president and founder for Sports Leisure Vacations, uh-huh. and Tom Romano, yours truly, radio broadcast guy. How may I have a question. I have a yes. question. I'm just looking outside, watching it kind of start to cloud up, and looking at my car which hasn't been washed since the last time it rained with any (laughs) substantial amount which was in december how many people are going to leave their cars out tonight in the hopes that the overnight rain will wash some of the mud off of the uh i'm just just wondering i'm just you know a lot and we're hoping that it's enough rain to actually wash some off yeah the thing the thing to do is is once the rain begins just a little bit what Uh you got to do is you got to go out and and get yourself some uh some dishwashing soap, the liquid oh, no. kind, and, and just kind of squirt it on the top of the car and in a few strategic places, and then let it rain for another hour or so, and then you go out with a, you know those mops that you you know the. This is all a wonderful fact. idea, Thomas, but you realize that it's going to start raining at about you know it's of substance at about one or two in the morning. Well, I'm just saying, if you want to get a good car wash, you let Mother Nature If you help folks out. hear a story on the news in the morning about the police arresting a gentleman in his underwear who was washing a car with a mop in the rain in the middle of the night, you will know for sure who it was. Yes, I hope it rains enough so that it doesn't just turn the dirt on the car to mud, which is what's happened the last couple of times. I saw. I drove by the Quick Quack yesterday, mm-hmm. um, went to my... Uh, uh, to my condo, which I'm not in for a couple of weeks because they had to rip the steps out and watching you the go progress. By to, did, did you go by to, uh, to to get something from your apartment? And well, there's there no, no getting stairs. anything from my apartment because there is no way to get upstairs. But right. I went by to just check on things, and there's a quick quack there close by, and I saw the people going through the quick quack, and I just I thought to myself, <laughs> you people are are either haven't been paying attention or you're incredibly optimistic. Um, or your weather people, and you know that, after all, in Sacramento for the last three years, when people say it's going to rain, it 
usually doesn't. So yeah, I hope uh, we yeah. get some overnight. We could use a little bit of rain. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, uh, it is already starting to cloud up a little bit. Uh, so anyway, we're praying for it. In the meantime, folks, uh, this is the Travel Guys, and at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we do our best, best to bring you up to date on the travel news. Or our breast, either one. Yeah. All righty. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Our best or our breast or, you know, I mean, it's just a travel show in the afternoon on Sunday. Get so. on with it. Get on with it. Come on. Give me the news, buddy. <laughs> it happens so rarely. I just we are out I of time, leave. ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week <laughs> at 3 o'clock. Nine flight attendants file suit to end federal mask update. So here's the deal. Uh, remember, we, we talked about this. I told you when the when the mask mandate ended, which was, uh, well, just would have been just about nine, ten days ago. I said the best thing to do would be tell folks you're going to extend it for a month. That should keep the flight people, the airline people happy. But tell them after a month that if nothing changes, it's over. Well, they did half of that. They extended it for a month, but then they didn't say anything about it being over. And now the people who want it to be over really want it to be over, including, interestingly enough, isn't this kind of a switcheroo, nine flight attendants from around the country are suing the federal government because they want the mandate lifted now because they say three-quarters of these incidents on planes have been idiots who refuse to put masks on, and that's only going to get worse right now. So I, 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 I sort of kind of see their point. Um, however, as you'll see a little bit later here in the news with a Travelers United survey, um, most travelers are still playing it a little bit, a little bit cautiously. But interesting that some flight attendants who mostly were on the side of put the masks on, now right. some of them are saying, well, you know, because nobody's wearing them anywhere else, it's harder to get people to wear them on the planes. Also, the flight attendants have pointed out something, and I wondered this from the beginning. Um, if if you're a flight attendant and you're working a shift, you could be. You, know, you hit a delay or something like that. You could be 12, 14, 15 hours, 16, 17 hours on a shift, and you're probably not leaving the airport. So you're not taking the mask off. So after a while, um, you know, whatever irritant or, you know, some people have to get a little rash or it's just they just can't wear them for that long. And so I get that. And they're just kind of saying, look, you know, um, if everybody else isn't going to wear them, why we just soon take it off, too. So I think this will all take care of itself in about two or three weeks, and then we'll just hope that the next variant isn't a big deal. Southwest Airlines has, which has been known for, gosh, forever, for having three categories of fares. You know, the full fare, what they call the business fare, which allowed you mm -hmm. to change your ticket at the last minute and get on first and all that stuff. And then a fare that was a little bit below that. It had most of those benefits, but not all. And, uh, and then just a regular ticket. And so now they've introduced a fourth category. Um, it's, it, it is entitled Want to Get Away Plus. So if you're a Southwest hmm. traveler, you know that the cheap fare was Want to Get Away. That's what it's been Wanna called. Want to Get Away. So now there's going to be four columns, you're saying? Four columns. Want to Get Away Plus. Um, yeah, which isn't as big a deal. This is a revenue enhancer shot is what this is. Um, the airline's trying to make an extra buck. Want to Get Away Plus is really for people 
who make last-minute changes but want to fly cheap because the main benefits to this new Southwest fare are transferable flight credit for Rapid Rewards members. So I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing what that means is that you have a flight credit, you can transfer it to another Rapid Reward member, which of course would be quite useful if your one-year credit was about to run out. Um, It also says here that a same-day confirmed change with no fare difference and same-day standby list. So if you're someone who finds yourself making a lot of last-minute, wanting to fly cheap, the problem with that is you make a change on the day of departure, and now you have to pay full fare for that day, so there's quite a fare difference. So what this fare is is for business travelers who – for whatever reason, can't buy that expensive fare but want a few of the benefits of it, I think. The typical traveler will probably not care, and by now my explanation has probably bored people to tears. So the bottom line is that if you're a Southwest traveler, I wouldn't be too concerned about this new fare category. Just move along. There's nothing to see here. All right. Is there any uh, any word as to when uh, that will uh, will be active and oh, when it will take and place? And there is, Tom, but you know what? The your brainless uh, co-host here, who printed this out off of the computer, didn't print the page that said when it was taking effect. All right. Well, <laughs> so. go, we'll we'll find out, and then you can go to travelguysradio.com and and find it there. Wonder around, and if you find it, why let us know. Yeah, uh, here, so. speaking of airlines, uh, Delta Airlines got the top spot for on time for 2021. Eighty-seven point eight percent of their flights arrived within 15 minutes of their scheduled arrival time. That's pretty impressive, considering yeah, that the the next airline was Alaska. Delta was 87-plus percent. Alaska was 81-plus. That's a pretty big drop um, to your number two. And interestingly mm-hmm. enough, you know, Southwest used to brag about how they were always the on-time airline, and they always yes, had this they great— were. And they had a great on-time record. And then they started flying into airports that they had avoided for many years, like O'Hare in Chicago and San Francisco instead of Oakland and LaGuardia in New York and things like that. And the on-time thing has become a little bit more of a struggle for them. They were seventh last year. Here's the uh, a list of large U.S. domestic carriers from the top down. Delta, sizably on top, and then Alaska. And it bunches up. Alaska, American, and United are all together. And then there's a drop-off to Spirit, Frontier, and Southwest. JetBlue is at 68% on time. Air Canada is counted here at 67. And Allegiant Air brings up the bottom at 64%. Southwest Airlines flew the most flights of any carrier in the United States, 679,000. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about uh, the importance of connections and about how if you had a connection that was too tight and you were in the wrong airport. So we were just talking about airlines that are on time and not on time. Now we're talking about airports last year. Top ten airports with the worst on-time record last year. In order, Newark, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Dallas, Vegas, Denver. Chicago Midway, Tampa, Baltimore, New York, JFK. Once again, Newark, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Dallas, Vegas, Denver, Chicago Midway, Tampa, Baltimore, and New York. Um, I read those fairly quickly, so it's probably a little hard for people to figure out. But with the exception 
of Dallas, Las Vegas, and Denver. All seven of the others are on the East Coast. So um, Las Vegas is a multiple hub for more than one airline. Denver is a multiple hub for more than one airline. Dallas is a multiple hub for more than one airline. So um, that's why. To give you an idea, Newark, which is at the top of the list, 25% delayed. Newark, New York, JFK, 20% delayed. So the reason this is important is because, trying to help you be a smarter traveler, if you're squeezing the connection and you got one of these airports that is known for being not on time and your connection is tight, that's when you say, you know what, no, I'm going to wait and take that one that has a little bit, has an extra 45 minutes on it. Question, yep. uh, and I, I'm sure I'm probably the only one with it because I'm, well, I'm, I'm me. Uh, how, do you, how do you make a determination as to why an airport would be at fault for the delay versus the airline. You know, the plane doesn't show up on time or it shows up on time. It has a mechanical issue, so it's late getting out uh, and so forth. But now you're talking about the airports themselves. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about what? how, how do they play a role in, in that schedule? Well, first of all, this is a list of airports that just saying, you know, and this has to do with arrivals. Do the planes arrive on time? So it's the individual airlines that have been compiled together to decide where that airport falls. Now, in answer to your question, um, Sacramento has a very good on-time record uh, because it doesn't. It's not over. It's not overbooked. You can get out to the runway. You rarely wait to take off. You probably rarely wait to land in Sacramento. You may be behind one plane, maybe two, so it costs you two or three minutes. If you're going to some place like a Chicago, or well, these airports I just named. Um, you're going to find the schedule is severely padded. It may take three and a half hours from flight to Sacramento to Dallas, but you may find that the uh, schedule allows for four hours and 15 minutes. And the reason it allows all that extra time is because from the time you push back to the gate until the time you're airborne and ever go to Chicago, uh, O'Hare, and it's, it's not uncommon in the old days to be behind a dozen, 15, 20 planes waiting to take off. Well, at a half a minute a plane, that's still going to be a while before you take off. So to your point, the Got airports it. are a little bit to blame because if they schedule too many flights and allow too many airlines in to with, that their facilities can accommodate, then flights are going to be late more often. Got so it. That, okay. Newark, Newark has a reputation for and which is number one on the list last year, Newark has a terrible reputation. If you can ever avoid connecting in Newark, do it. Don't be a sucker and take a short flight and say, "Oh, that nonstop from from Newark to Sacramento in the evening that'll be great," because it's rarely on time. It's got a horrible on time record. The United flight that goes back as a red eye. So just be careful about connecting in 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 one of those airports that we were talking about. You can go to TravelGuysRadio.com if you would like to see the list. Here's some good news. On the travel front, Hearst Castle has been closed for a long time, and it is reopening on May the 11th. It's California's castle. It has been closed for two years um, after COVID-19 and some rainstorms that really we were we talked about this literally caused the road to fall that the buses used to go up to. If you haven't been to Hearst Castle, you buy a ticket, you get on a bus at the bottom of the hill, and it takes you up the hill where you meet your guide for a tour. And when the tour is over, you get back on the bus and come back down the hill. Everybody parks down at the bottom. So it was the road that took the tourists up to the castle and back that was having a problem. So now they have completely re- they've fixed it all up, and Hearst Castle is going to reopen 
on uh, May the 11th, and I'm sure we will have somebody from the castle um, here to talk to us in the next couple of weeks. That'll be great. You know, I heard that uh, that they've also added uh, some new areas, areas that were no longer uh, viewable oh, really? at Hearst Castle for people to uh, to see. So if you've been a regular, if you've been more than once, uh, now uh, you could go again and see stuff that you uh, weren't able to see before. That sounds incredibly cool. Incredibly, incredibly cool. Um, the ticket price is now going to have all the fees integrated into one price. And actually, they're saying that because of their new system, the ticket price for the castle may actually go down a little bit. Okay, and finally here, um, Travelers United poll. Yes, I will wear a mask on planes and in crowded venues, 59%, 6 out of 10. These are travelers now. I will decide after considering the environment location, 23, so that's 82. I will wear a mask only if it's required. So... Four out of five travelers are looking at it, the situation and saying, you know, uh, a lot of people there, I might just put the mask on and just be a little bit more comfortable that way. Anyways, that's just one man's opinion, and that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Again, uh, links to a lot of the stuff that Mark talked about and more can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. We're here to make you a smarter traveler. We jump into more of that right after this here on the Travel Guys. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain. Song that, that fits Mark Hoffman to a T. It's uh, Johnny Cash's uh, I've Been Everywhere. I have to go through that list, Mark, and, and click them off as to which ones you've been to. Mark, have you ever uh, been on an airline flight with, uh, with any kind of... Uh, any kind of disturbance where a passenger was unruly or any of that? Because you've, you've flown a lot. Have you, have you ever I have had not. a personal experience? I have not, Tom. The, the, the most unruly it's ever gotten on flights, I've had several instances where they've gotten on and said, you know, is there a doctor or a nurse on board um, who can assist with a medical emergency? And sometimes that required a set down in a city mm -hmm. we weren't planning on setting into. But no, I've, I've never experienced... Uh, the kind of thing that has become way too common recently on airline flights. And, you know, I think people probably would say, well, the best thing to do is just not get involved. And just uh, mind your own business, and because otherwise all you're going to do is aggravate the situation. But that's not what flight attendants say. Um, uh -huh. Flight attendants say if the passenger seated next to or around the person with the poor behavior calls out the behavior – in a calm way, they understand that it's shameful and it's not going to be tolerated. When everyone is silent, it's almost like everyone is agreeing with them and they continue to have that outrageous bad behavior. All it can take is another passenger speaking out to the aggressor early on during an abusive situation, saying something like, hey, don't do that, that's not cool, she's just doing your job, why are you, why are you yelling? And then that can diffuse the situation before it gets worse, but many times people don't speak out. Um, everybody's just, if the flight attendants say people are, are waiting for the flight attendant to handle it, but there's mm -hmm. only so much that they can do because the person is generally actively looking to take out their aggression on us, speaking of the flight attendants for whatever reason. So she says that, um, for example, she says people don't realize that when a flight attendant asks you to put your bags under the seat in front of you and they wait for you to do it before they walk away. They're not being like, oh, I'm the boss here. You have to do what I say. It's because we don't know if you're FAA or not. Because the FAA sends administrators on the planes. 
And if they don't do their safety checks properly, or if they don't ask the people who are friends, for example, in the bulkhead to put their stuff in the overhead as opposed to leaving it on the floor in front of their seat, then they can be fined personally up to $10,000. So they're in a little bit of a situation. You think the flight attendant is being really picky because, oh, that was only two inches further out and that's all I could put it back. But, you know, sometimes you have to take into account the fact that these are people who are just trying to do their jobs. Now, this is not to say that flight attendants don't have bad days. But I'm also going to suggest to you that a flight attendant's bad day can sometimes be aggravated or created by a passenger who insists on they're going to make a big deal out of something. So anyway, the point of all this is, is that if you are a party to one of these situations that, and you know that the person is out of line, gently adding yourself to the flight attendant's side can, according to flight attendants, can make a huge difference in, in how the thing proceeds from there. Because if the person who's being angry realizes that everyone around them, that they're being a little baby and everybody around them knows it and they've got no support, the flight attendants say most of the time the person backs down. That is that is a uh, interesting Isn't that observation. Fascinating? Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, and I could see how that would work. Here again, I uh, I think the 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 problem really is is that on the whole, most people, like you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, is, is don't get involved. I'm not I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be part of this. I don't want them yelling at me. I don't want them blaming me for for policing. It isn't that their responsibility of the flight attendant, but listening to this this story that flight yeah. attendants would would be happy to hear you mention, "Hey, you know, uh They're not asking not really you to cool. take a they're not asking you to take a punch for them. If you listen to yeah. that, that's not what they're saying. They're saying that there's a time and in the situation where you can be of help. All right. Well, I'll keep that in mind and yeah, uh, it is. Like, that's I'm like you, I it's never happened, but you never know it could. Well, there you go. Hopefully that'll make us a little bit smarter travelers in those situations. All right. Consumer advocate Chris Elliott joins us after the news. Great conversation. Stick around. We'll be back in just a few. It's very nice to go traveling. Welcome, everyone. Again, it's the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark Hoff and Tom Romano here with you. Don't forget, follow along with our special guests at TravelGuysRadio.com. We travel many hours and many miles away to connect with one of our favorite guests, Chris Elliott, consumer advocate. I begin with the question number one everybody's going to want to know. What is the price of gas in South Africa? <laughs> wow, you guys have stumped me already. Um, I don't, I don't know what the price of gas is in South Africa. Uh, I'm in Cape Town, and uh, we have not driven anywhere. We're in an area where we just walk everywhere, but we are having a transit strike right now. So maybe, maybe that's a sign that things are, you know, that the gas prices are not uh, doing so good. It, actually, it's interesting because I had a conversation with the CEO of Cape Town Tourism, and he was telling me about how dependent uh, the the country is on Russian uh, oil imports and that that is having an effect on gas prices. So if I had to make an educated guess, I'd say that prices are trending higher. Yeah, Chris Elliott is joining us all the way from Cape Town, Africa. Good question there, Tom. I thought that was... <laughs> can't imagine where that came from. That's a great question. Yeah, I, filled, um, I filled up last night. That's why. 
Uh, yeah, so did I. Um, seventy-seven dollars for seventy-seven dollars for fourteen gallons or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, no, it's oh my uh, goodness, five dollars and forty-nine cents in California. So you have like what six, seven dollar a gallon price. Yeah, well, right? Northern California is about. I, I'd say the average is probably about. What'd you say, Tom? About five and a half. Yeah, that's that's and very very. Southern accurate. California though is about a, a buck higher, especially if you get. Like I was in Santa Barbara a couple of weeks ago, and we paid uh, six fifty nine. Um, but well, when you got closer while, to Los Angeles, while you guys were uh, uh, between the time that you asked my first question and now, I actually looked it up. It's five dollars a gallon in South Africa. Well, wow, it's well, a steal. Let's run over there and fill yeah, up. Let's run like over a- to South Africa and fill up. Oh. <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of of gas prices and the impact of the Russian Ukrainian. Uh, conflict, Chris. I wanted to ask you the big thing on surveys the last few weeks has been asking people, okay, you were planning on going to Europe, and now with what's happening over in Ukraine, are you decided not to go to Europe? Are you putting your plans off? Are you going to go anyway? Um, you're in a foreign country. So, I mean, you're not obviously as close to the to the battleground as, as some of those folks in some of those countries, but what are your thoughts on whether or not you know, if you if you went into Europe at the beginning of COVID, so you're kind of fearless. Mm-hmm. But what would you what, what what are your take on this? Well, I'm going back too. I mean, the, in, a, in a week and a half, I'm flying back to Europe. Uh, I, I'm not afraid at all. I, people are geographically illiterate. They think that y- Ukraine is close to Rome or Paris, and they don't even bother looking at a map. It's so far away. Rome is a one day drive, 24 hours to get to Kiev. So there, there's just it's just too far away to to make a difference. The only way that it would have any kind of an effect is is if the war spread. You know, if uh, Russia decided to invade one of the Baltic states or Poland, then it could things could start getting a little bit crazy. But for for now, though, it's pretty well contained. And um and actually, the uh, travel expert in me says um, this might be a really great opportunity to save money. If you want to go somewhere like Europe, the flights are going to be less expensive. The hotels will be more. Of, people aren't going, so you might find a better deal. Yeah, good point. Yang, when, Yang, when other people are yanging, uh, right. will oftentimes give you the opportunity to pick up something. I hadn't thought really about that, but that's a, that's an excellent thought. Other than the gas prices, any impact of what's going on in Ukraine, in Africa, where you are? Well, yeah. I, I mean, a, a week ago we had these rolling blackouts, and they were because a lot of these the power plants are used diesel, and they were afraid that they were going to run out, and so that uh, uh, we had for I had TV interviews set up, and the lights went out, and the internet went out, and so I had to like you know call Good Morning Phoenix and say, guys, I'm not going to be able to make it on today because uh, it's you know there's no power, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> It, uh, yeah, that was we had that for a couple of days. Then everything came back, so we're we're back now. And there's we haven't had any any blackouts. Um, I think people are really on edge because Russia here has been a big trading partner to South Africa. You know, going back to the um, the uh, pre-apartheid days when uh, when the Soviet Union was um, a big trading partner of South Africa's, and uh, so. People are. I think people feel a little bit torn because they they feel uh, some loyalty to Russia. At the same time, they don't approve of what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, you have to remember too that 
South Africa was a big destination for Russians. They were coming here and they were vacationing and doing a safari. And now those people are gone too because there's just not not a lot of travel going on, obviously, between Russia and anywhere. Um, and so it's just it's a very confusing time. We've noticed people uh, on edge a little bit more. People are are you know maybe not as friendly as they were. There's a lot of uncertainty here. I think there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, but especially here. So that was my my next question was, how is is tourism in Africa being impacted? Because obviously some folks are planning on going there, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. you're saying it, it, it probably a little bit TBA down there, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, well, the big uh, season here starts in September. That's when safari season begins. And it's winter here. It's late winter. But that's when you see all the animal migrations in places like uh, northern South Africa, Namibia, Botswana. And uh, so folks will come here then and, um, and, you know, do a a very expensive safari. These safaris are just ridiculously expensive. Um, And I think that this is also the time when people are planning those vacations. There's a lot of concern among the safari tour operators that people are going to maybe not come out here. Um, and, uh, that, you know, we just, that remains to be seen. You've got, uh, the, the plane, the, the journey is, is really long. I mean, I was talking to a flight attendant from the States, uh, here in Cape Town a couple of uh, weeks ago, and uh, the, she uh, flies on the United flight that comes in from Newark to Cape Town. It's 15 hours and it's like 14 and a half hours. And so that's a really long time to spend on a plane just to get out here. But the concern is that, you know, maybe fuel prices are going to keep going up um, and that uh, the uh, fares will become unaffordable and then the safaris won't be happening. And that's just going to be very bad for the economy now. Domestic airfares yeah. um, in the States here, Chris, have taken a a huge jump. I know you've been out of the country for a while, yeah. but but we're seeing, uh, you know, I was trying to book a, a flight from Sacramento to Louisville yesterday and the lowest fare was basically around seven, eight hundred dollars. Um, and, Jeez, and that's, that's yeah, a, that, that, that's, that's a, a trip that was a four or $500 trip, uh, before fuel started going up. Let's go back to the Ukraine thing just for one more minute and its impact on travel. We talked, a, a, we've talked a lot about on this program in the last couple of weeks about how some companies said, all right, this is not right. And we're out of here. We're not doing business with Russia anymore. Um, in various, for various companies that meant different things. Um, the hotel chains, however, uh, Marriott was the first, and the others fell in line very quickly afterwards by saying, well, we're stopping development immediately in Russia. And when they've said that the first time, it went right past me. And then the second time I read it, I thought, wait a minute, stopping development, it, that doesn't, you didn't say anything about closing down hotels. You're just not going to build or open or plan any new ones. So, um, I don't know, that just kind of doesn't sit well with me not one because they're not leaving and two because of the way that they're presenting it it's it's almost like an airline-ish kind of public relations thing yeah i mean what does that really mean they're stopping development i don't understand that either i'm doing a story right now about radisson and they did they issued the same press release saying that they are stopping development they have uh 35 properties in russia um part of the reason that things are getting complicated is that uh, they're they're technically franchisees, so um, they're they're owned by locals in some cases. So they're they're, um, they're not corporate owned, and those those people uh, have a business to run, and they could they probably could pull their uh, 
franchises, but that's about all they could do. They can't force the, the owners to shut down the hotel. So I, I understand that it's complicated, but I think, though, and I agree with you on this, that they might be able to make a more forceful statement. For example, they could um, you know, make a donation to the Ukraine uh, war relief or something like that, just to say, you know, we do not approve of this, even though we have franchises operating, we're going to make it as difficult as possible for them to continue uh, operating in Russia. And we're going to donate some of the proceeds to Ukraine. They could have done that. They didn't. That's disappointing. Our special guest is Chris Elliott, consumer advocate uh, and uh, one of the friends of the travel guys. Uh, here on the Travel Guys. Again, links to Chris and all he does can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. Chris, uh, things have really changed a lot here in the States with uh, COVID regulations and so forth. Uh, I was in Disneyland a couple of weeks ago and it was uh, wide open, you know. Um, There was some mask Mm -hmm. wearing in, in lines voluntarily from time to time. But otherwise, not much. It's uh, it's a it's a whole new uh, new whole new world again. What's it like there in uh, in your neck of the woods in South Africa? Cape Town uh, is still outdoors. There's no mask wearing indoors. There still is mask wearing. We thought that they were going to do away with the mask rules in mid March because they were going to lift their state of emergency. They didn't do that. Uh, cases are extremely low here. And I think they want to just get them as low as possible before they get rid of the mask rule. But there's a sense of kind of fatigue when you talk to people here. Uh, I was down at one of, at the local bakery, and I, I, the guy had to the, that was helping me had to put his mask on to to, uh, to take my order. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, when are the, when are these mask rules going to go away?" And he said. They can't go away soon enough. Let me ask you about something else that's been in the news here recently since we haven't talked for a while. Uh, <clears throat> I know you're a huge fan of Spirit and Frontier Airlines and their business model, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like me. And uh, uh-huh. as, as soon as they announced that they were going to merge, I immediately thought to myself, well, two really crappy airlines are going to go together and form one <laughs> really big, super crappy airline. That might be a little more straightforward than you care to be. But um, how do you feel about the possibility of Spirit and Frontier getting together? You know what? That was my first thought, too. I said, well, they've saved us the trouble by combining the airline. And now we only have one really bad airline. Well, we still have like Allegiant and a couple of other bottom feeders out there. I I think that, you know, this all is going to go to the uh, Department of Justice. They're in charge of of approving a merger like this. And they have to ask themselves, you know, what's the value of this merger to consumers? And the the value is actually, it's not zero, it's less than zero. Um, Because not only uh, are jobs going to be lost and flights canceled and, and, you know, there'll be some what they call synergies, but actually there's a a very good chance that the the airline, because of its commanding market share, will actually start to bilk passengers even more than they are already being built. Now, just to put this into perspective, um, these are what what are called ultra-low-cost carriers. So they will quote you a fare that is considerably lower than that offered by the legacy carriers or by Southwest. And then you have to pay extra for everything from uh, checked luggage to carry-on luggage to uh, seat assignments, even for drinks. And so they end up making up all that money on extra fees that you have to pay and uh, and then they actually end up making more than the legacy carriers because they kind of duped you into spending all that money on fees. So th- these are 
these are airlines that have made deception their business model. And so putting those two airlines together, it's just bad, plain bad for all consumers. DOJ should say no to it. They could. They should have a resort fee uh, when they merge, <laughs> like uh, like the hotels do. Don't In give fact, them any ideas. Terrible. I know. I, I said that. <laughs> I didn't know. I? That's really that's really bad. But that's that's probably you know somewhere in a boardroom at Spirit or Frontier. I'm sure that's been talked about. One one last uh, a topic here, uh, Chris. No fly lists. Uh, airlines say that you know maybe the government should keep track of this. Um, government says maybe the airlines should keep track of it on their own. There's some reasonable arguments on both sides. Where do you come in on this? You've written considerably about it. I have, yes. And I think I can totally understand why it's Delta that's actually spearheading this, and I can understand why Delta would be prodding the Department of Transportation to create a master no-fly list, like, like the terrorist watch list that we have. The problem is that terrorist watch list, it's not perfect. It's got people on it who don't belong on there. And then when you also have a, a the government that's running a list like that, you don't want something like this to be in government hands. You know, it, it, the the problem would I think that that would happen with this is that it would it would kind of short circuit the um, or shortcut the the whole judicial process. You know, if someone is disruptive on a flight, there's a process. You get arrested when you land, and you get taken to a jail, and then you have to answer for your crimes. And what this list does is it creates another layer. It says, oh, well, you might have uh, answered for your crimes, but now you're banned for life from all U.S. airlines. And um, it just is, I, I don't think that that is going to be the answer. And besides, if you look at the number of cases uh, of unruly passengers, they are going down. We only had a handful of them last month. Uh, so I think that the, uh, the wind is kind of taken out of Delta sales at this point. And I think if they want to keep their own list, that's fine, but don't get the government involved. Sounds like that Chris is really, really, really adamantly against having a government-controlled list, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, you know, uh, and and I, I'm a little surprised, but, you know, uh, one man's opinion. Yeah. Uh, next week here on the Travel Guys, uh, for those who listen on a regular basis, you probably know that Chris Elliott uh, travels the world with uh, his two now teenage uh, boys, has for, for many, many years. They have started a podcast uh, with uh, the two boys. Uh, along with Chris. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have them on. We're going to talk about the podcast. But from a traveling standpoint, we're going to talk about what it's like to travel with Dad. And uh, they're going to give us some travel tips uh, if you happen to be a family that is perpetually traveling. All right. Uh -huh. I know a lot of folks don't, but it's really, really fascinating. And I know you're going to enjoy it. And that'll be next Sunday uh, right here on the on the travel. Guide. Imagine imagine three guys traveling together. I mean, I can just only imagine the situations that 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 might come up. Plus, you've got two brothers, you know, and dad. So uh, but yeah, no. But also what a great opportunity as a young person to be able to. I mean, they're with their father in Cape Town, Africa. So, uh, anyways, we're going to talk to the guys next week. It's they've never done. Um, they've just started the podcast, and they've never done an interview, um, the three of them together before on the radio. So we'll talk to them next week, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, Aiden and Aiden and Aiden is that right? No, Aaron and Aaron Aiden. and Aiden. That's it. Seventeen and and nineteen. We'll talk to them next week. All right, coming up next here on the Travel Guys. Have you heard about the Cruise Passengers Bill of Rights? Is there such a thing? We're going to talk about it next, right here on the radio.
you bet. We are Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Again, TravelGuysRadio.com, where you can uh, you can find podcasts to our show. Uh, listen to, uh, to them again. If you happen to miss one, well, then you can catch it later at your convenience. All right, on to the... The Cruise Passengers Bill of Rights. Tell me about it, Mark. What do you know? Speaking there of your, you're talking about uh, TravelGuysRadio.com. Let me throw out that um, there's a whole list of countries that have changed travel requirements in March that are listed there. There's also some really cool pictures of Antarctica. And you'll find the Cruise Passenger Bill of Rights, which we're going to touch on for a couple minutes here. Um, back in the 70s, there were several incidents. This this happened with airlines, too, where remember when they got people stuck on the tarmac in storms and people were out there for hours and the toilets overflowed and everything and people raised hell. And so they said, well, you know, by God, we've got to prevent this. So Congress came up with some things and some laws and some rules about tarmac parking and stuff like that. Well, this happened with the cruise industry. And so they came up with the cruise line passenger bill of rights in the 70s. And everybody, oh, they touted it. And I remember this. This is right when I was going into business. And they were like, oh, this is this will take care of everybody no matter what happens in certain situations and everything oh we've just got you covered this is a bill of rights except that the passenger bill of rights has no enforcement procedures it has if you if 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 a cruise line doesn't do what's in here that they've agreed to do you don't have anybody to report them to and there's no penalty for what they did so it's kind of interesting i have called gwen duncan our cruise expert and asked her if she would come next week and help me understand this a little bit um it's it it gives you the right to um to emergency accommodations if something happens and your cruise is shortened anyway the reason this came up is because when one of these crystal cruise lines cruises got called off mid-cruise and people had to get their way back to florida and then when they got there there was nobody to help them all of that was covered in the cruise passengers bill of rights so, anyways, um, Gwen Duncan will be with us next week, and we will talk about this this meaningless cruise passenger bill of rights and see if we can get some teeth put into it. Wow! So it it, it uh, you know it's all written down, but it has no teeth. There is no no governing body that you can turn them into to to follow up. Uh, I don't know what the fair. Trade Commission. Well, perhaps? you would fi- you would file a consumer complaint with the Department of Transportation is what they've decided, but there still is no way to there, there's no enforcement procedures, and even if there were, there are no penalties. So what the cruise lines did was they pulled a huge PR thing on everybody here and created all of this thing, and that they don't have to pay any attention to, and that there are no penalties for. So perhaps maybe there's a way of turning that around and making it work the way it was supposed to. We'll, I want to talk to Gwen about it. She sells a lot of cruises to people, and she will have an opinion. I have no doubt on it next week. All right, and we'll do that uh, next week. Hey, thanks for joining us, my friends. Uh, that wraps it up for today. Remember, TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, Dance comments? like nobody's watching. We'll see you next week. Okay.